0: Welcome to A Slob Comes Clean, the podcast. I am Dana K. White. I am the author of Organizing for the Rest of Us, How to Manage Your Home Without Losing Your Mind, and the book that we're going to talk a lot about today, which is Decluttering at the Speed of Life. Thanks for joining me today. This is podcast number 338, and I think I'm going to call it, I think, I think I may rethink this but anyway um I think I'm going to call it real progress in a hoarding situation. Uh so this is a unique opportunity that I had to have a conversation with someone who has personally had a hoarding intervention and now uh, you know, this is 10 years after that fact. It was, a, <clears throat> anyway, I can't go into too many details, but I think you'll be able to figure it out as we talk. Um, We're intentionally vague about some things, but it's 10 years later and she's finally really seeing real progress and has so much hope for her home by the strategies that she has put into place from decluttering at the speed of life. So I have loved this conversation. I loved her incredible honesty. She is a a psychotherapist and also has these struggles herself. And so I think that gives us a really uh, unique perspective on what works and why why the process works. Anyway, uh, I, I just loved this conversation and I'm so appreciative that she was willing to have it. And so I just want to say real quick, it is almost summer. Make sure you subscribe wherever you like to listen to podcasts so that when I come back at the end of the summer, it just pops back into your pop- podcast. Yeah. It pops back into your podcast app instead of forgetting about me after summer. So, okay, let's get to the interview. Okay. We are here to talk with Jessica, um, Jessica agreed to come on the podcast, um, because I think she has a lot of really valuable insight to share. Jessica is in the middle of her own process right now. Um, she's working in her own home, but, um, she has a unique history. So, uh, before we get started though, Jessica, you want to tell me a little bit just about your current life situation.
1: Hi, I'm Jessica and I am a licensed psychotherapist. I do therapy, um, background social work, and trying to help others. I have ADHD, uh, diagnosed with OCD under that umbrella of things. I've moved like probably 12 times in my life. Most recent was from a thousand square foot apartment, two bedrooms with tons and tons of cabinet space. I moved into this tiny, tiny, tiny back house where I don't even have a bathroom drawer. When I moved in here, I had 12 wardrobe boxes of clothing. I have two closets here that are three feet by three feet.
0: So you are living the reality of the container concept. I am in the tiniest container. So let's talk about how we got connected. So I heard from you and you told me a little bit of your story. First of all, you told me that decluttering at the speed of life has helped you significantly, which always gets my attention, of course, you know, because that is my baby (laughs) that I put out into the world. So I love hearing that. Um, but your background is that about 10 years ago, you were in a very cluttered environment situation and actually had, um, kind of the, the type of I'm calling it an intervention. It's not officially an intervention, but well, you, you had someone intervene (laughs) in a way where they helped you get out of that situation. And we are being intentionally vague here for legal purposes, but I am going to say that if you're imagining what we're talking about, you might be right. Okay. But we're not going to say for sure. We're not going to confirm that, but you had someone come in, help you get your house decluttered,
1: correct? Yes. Okay. I would feel comfortable saying I had a team of professionals come and help me before I was even qualified to be on a team of professionals.
0: Okay. So here we go. Now that we've been intentionally vague, but we think people probably know what we're talking about. Um, this, uh, we're going to, we're going to be talking about hoarding. Okay. We are specifically talking about that, which is a subject that, Is really touchy. And I I think that the reason for that is absolutely legitimate. I personally am not a mental health professional, which is why I love having you here to talk to me. You are a mental health professional. So I personally always am very careful when I talk about the subject, and we're still going to be careful today uh, because it is a mental health diagnosis, correct? Hoarding disorder is. Yes. Um, but one of the things that, you know, just just briefly go through how, what you were saying to me is that, yes, there's hoarding disorder, but there's always something more, right? Right. And right. that is part of what makes it a mental health diagnosis as opposed to, you know, just struggling with clutter. But I think a lot of, a lot of my listeners have a fear, like, okay, at what point might what I struggle with tip over into that? So, so give me some just brief explanation of hoarding disorder.
1: Right. And even with hoarding disorder, there's different scales, or at least there used to be before there was an official DSM diagnosis of hoarding disorder. It was under the umbrella of OCD amongst a lot of other things. They just kind of plopped it under the umbrella of OCD and OCD was plopped under the umbrella of anxiety. Um, And that's not to mention like ADHD or depression or any of the other things that are contributing factors. So, So I don't know if in the mental health field becoming more and more and more specific with labels of things is actually being helpful to people people want answers. What's wrong with me? How can I fix this? I need an answer. I need a diagnosis so that I can go and do a thing about it so that I know what I'm looking for. I need help with. And I'm not saying that that doesn't work for a lot of things. If you go to a therapist, I'm a therapist. Somebody comes to me and says, I suffer from anxiety. Then I kind of have an idea of where to begin. I've been diagnosed with depression since blah, blah, blah. I kind of know where to begin. But what I find equally true about the quote unquote hoarding disorder diagnosis is that it's never just that. You can back trace it and let it hold hands with other diagnoses. And so the more specific you get, the further away from real answers you'd get, the further away from actual help you get, because now, now you might have this diagnosis of hoarding disorder and it's just sitting in your lap and all of your stuff is still around you. All of these things are still around you. A lot of it to also, you know, I have ADHD. So it's kind of like squirrel there. There one goes, okay, how's it going? Squirrel, how are we now? Where are we going? Mm -hmm. What works really well with your system is that it, I don't know if you want to go there right now.
0: Yeah. Talk about my system. I love it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Is that it cuts out a lot of the, you know, emotion stuff but it lets you feel the emotions. Um, I'm in all these like, you know, Facebook groups or whatever. And I just kind of, you know, there for support and decluttery support and stuff like that. And I've I've listened to so many other books and I see people asking for help on these cluttery things. And I feel comfortable giving advice now, kind of from your book about the main things that I got from listening to your book over and over and over again a little bit obsessive compulsively, Um, (laughs) is I didn't start by asking myself about trash. Well, trash isn't really easy. However, with your two questions, I was able to pick up something and ask myself, okay, this thing in my hand that I have right now in my hand, where would I look for this first? And I already knew the question is not my dining table, whatever it is right now. I'm holding a paper towel, a piece of paper towel. And I would say, where would I look for this first? And I'm like, ready to go and put it there first, put it there now, do that now. But I wouldn't go look for this piece of napkin. I, I, so then the answer is trash. So it was really helpful for me to kind of cut through the, I could use this for something, or this is something that brings back these memories, or like, I'm going to forget all these things. If I put this in a donate box, that kind of stuff that is under the, you know, the fear of the hoarding disorder. Mm -hmm. What if I need this and I don't have it? Well, like you make it very clear. If you have it and you don't know where you're going to look for it or where you would look for it or you would look for it is the key. Such a big impact. (laughs) I
0: love that. I love that. That's great. Okay. Let's talk about your, what is it that got you to the point where you were Ready and willing to have a team of professionals come in and overhaul your home because that's a big deal,
1: you know. Right, right. Yeah. So, right. so what is it that brought you there? It didn't happen overnight. I've always been kind of a collector, so I've been lugging this stuff around. In one of my moves, I'd move from this thirty six hundred square foot McMansion with my dad and a roommate at the time into a 500 square foot tiny apartment and then within six months my grandma died and i found that i had to move into the place to kind of keep it up and put it for sale or whatever so that was going to be the safe place that we lived in all the cabinets were full of you know everything that she was using i had all of her hand-me-down stuff where you know, that when, she
0: had decluttered at some point out of her house. Had,
1: yes. Right. Cause she had lived there for like five years in this place. And when she moved from that place, from her old place that she lived for like 60 years, when she moved into this new place, she decided I don't want any more Oak furniture here. You have it all, Jessica. I'm going to get cherry wood. And of course the things that she bought were very like, you know, high quality. So I brought all the things that she had already decluttered and discarded back into her place. So living in there and trying to have guests over there with, you know, I had a trail of boxes, like an island, a box island in the middle yeah. of this big open living room. And that's just how we lived. We could see the TV from there. We could get to the kitchen from there. We could kind of use the kitchen. We could not sit at the dining table and have dinner. Um, but that was just, you know, we had like a eating bar. Or I ate at my computer and my kid ate at their computer. So like, it's not, it wasn't, a dire need until guests started wanting to come over in this big new place that I had full of stuff. And somebody had said to me, hey, you should call some professionals. (laughs) And I had no idea what that even meant. I had never heard of like hoarding disorder or even think that I had OCD. I knew I had ADHD from when I was younger. And so I, I am the one nobody called for me. Nobody asked anybody to come. They just suggested it to me. And I was like, oh, well, like there, wait a minute, there are professionals out there. I didn't know anything about professional organizers or anything like that, which also I love about your book is that it, very clearly distinguishes that those are three totally separate things, cleaning, decluttering. And then now my brain just stopped on the third one and the daily stuff and the daily stuff. Right. 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 Those things are three totally separate things. Whereas any one of those things for me turned into an all day marathon event that took me two days to recover. Then you become helpless and hopeless, Mm -hmm or you feel, you feel helpless, like nothing is going to help me. This is just how it is. This is just how I live now. I just right. live in all this stuff and nobody can help me, which is how I felt for at least 10 years now since then. Like, well, I guess it's just helpless. I guess this is just how I'm going to live.
0: And you're saying that because you had the professionals come in, help you, and then did not see lasting
1: results? In such a short amount of time, I was unable to grasp any long term sustainable, any any long term sustainability. And a lot of that is visual. The visual progress that, that you talk about is so important. It's so. Like, you know, when I therapize with people, I, I tell them, you know, whatever your age is, I tell them, give yourself high fives, give yourself gold stars. You did a thing you put on your shoes, you did these things. And what that does is it gives your brain little hits of dopamine and it makes you want more.
0: My new digital picture frame from aura is honestly my new favorite thing. It is a beautiful frame that displays a new photo every 10 minutes. Y'all I'm delighted every time I walk by my beautiful aura frame, one frame, lots and lots of photos that I can enjoy. That is a great solution for what can be a clutter problem, right? So how does one frame show so many photos? Well, I preload photos onto the frame using a super simple app that Aura has. I have also shared the app with my kids so they can add photos to my frame anytime from wherever they are. Now that my kids are all traveling and moving to different cities, this is like a mama dream come true. So we are also loading up a frame with pictures for my mom for Mother's Day. It only took me two minutes to get started using my Aura app. You can upload an unlimited number of photos, invite others to share photos directly to your frame with no fees or memberships. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code CLEAN at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. Getting the most out of your grocery dollar can be challenging these days, to say the least. Deal. Again, that's prepdish.com slash a slob comes clean for your first two weeks free. This is a no-brainer. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp projects. So many projects. Taking care of all the things gets overwhelming. So when I get that feeling of overwhelm, I know I need to take steps to make my mental well-being a priority. you prefer to meet via phone call video or live chat, and you can plan your sessions at your convenience to suit your schedule. Find your social sweet spot with better help. Visit betterhelpcom slash clean today to get 10% off your first month. That's better H E L P.com slash clean. So I, here, here's my, and I believe me, I know that hindsight is 2020. I know that, you know, but So, but, so my understanding of your situation, we're not going to say how it is that I have this understanding, but anyway, um, so So, let's say you had a big stack of empty boxes. Here's where it was making me crazy because there's a big stack of empty boxes, which is full on procrastinate clutter. It is easy that we could break down these boxes and remove them immediately. and yet you had a lot of super deep, emotional, seemingly traumatic conversations about very emotional clutter. If it was me, the first thing we would do is have a win is deal with that to the ceiling pile and visually make this place better so that you can then feel like, wow, little bits make a big visual impact. And I can do something before we get to those emotionally laden things. That is just my hypothetical.
1: That's totally real. You have to build up to it. You have to do the practice. You have to see little wins when a professional organizer or even a therapist just dives in to like, let's talk about this big, big trauma in your life your brain stops working and can no longer tell the difference between a crumpled up piece of newspaper to like um, this inherited, beautiful photo frame. Your brain stops because your subconscious doesn't even let you get there anymore. Your subconscious is like, I'm going to protect this human. It turns you into fight or flight mode and it doesn't even let you go there. So it helped you,
0: it helped you to see that there was an in-between.
1: I have not seen visual progress until I stumbled upon your book. I kind of work people up to this is decision making, Mm -hmm. which is an executive functioning skill of decision making. So like a lot of people think that people um, who hoard things choose their stuff over their families. And that's not true. That's just not true. Like, Right. I never oh, was I like, I want this granola box. Screw you, child of mine. Sorry. Right. No. Of course you, you can not. You can cut the screw out if you want to. No. But we like, can leave that in there. <laughs> <laughs> like you know, that's not a conscious decision. But like when you put six things in front of me and tell me to make a decision, I get it. I get what you're trying to do there. You're trying to make you're trying to make me make decisions. Well, I don't know how. I I never knew how to make a decision of that. Which is why like I love your book so much because it that, you just find, I just found myself kind of accidentally making decisions and then going, these are decisions that I'm making right now. I just made a decision of is this shoe in my kitchen? Where would I look for this? If would look for it in my closet, do I even know if I have another one? And then I'd start asking those questions. Okay, those are not, that's not the project. I would Mm -hmm. look for it there. So let me go take it to my closet. And then I get to my closet and I'm like, oh, it doesn't have a, it doesn't have a friend. It doesn't have its, its buddy. Okay. I'm going to let this go. And then it's a very conscious, not deep emotional decision. And it's all fact-based, right?
0: It's all all based on things outside of me. So I can blame the space. Mm -hmm. I can blame the fact that there's no pair for it and all of that. So it's not like, did I
1: make the right decision or not? It's just, these are the facts. Right. Right. And like asking myself, how do I feel about this? Or where did this come from? Maybe I could sell it. Maybe so-and-so would want it. I lived with piles of stuff, even with the professionals there at my house in person, I had just piles. That was not me making decisions. And like that part in such a short amount of time, and even like some of the after care work that I had to do, nobody ever was like, Hey, Jessica, wait, let's back this up. You don't even know how to make a decision. <laughs> so mm-hmm. let's work on that for a minute. All the emotional stuff and the questions and the, could somebody use this? And could I use it? I'm, I'm pretty creative. I could use everything. Absolutely. Does that mean I'm going to? No, I don't have the space in here either. So like when you when you say like, you know, give, give things an intention, like what is this room meant for? I have a second bedroom here. They're tiny. These rooms are teeny tiny, but it could be a bedroom. I've been calling it a spare room. I've been calling it a craft room because that's where a lot of my crafts are. I can't do crafts in there. So when I heard you in the book, I was like, okay, I'm going to start calling this my storage room for now. For where I am now in this process, I'm calling that a storage room. And it's beginning to function like a storage room. Before, it was a container that had been Tetris together. It was not a storage room. It was a Tetris storage container where if I had four days off of work, one whole day was pulling things out of that things that I was going to do as a project. I'm going to go through my VHS tapes today. So I got to go get to them and to get to them, I have to tunnel into this. That takes a whole day. My brain is done for that day. And then I would spend two days of my four days off stuff, shifting around stuff, shifting.
0: How is it different now then if it, and I'm asking you this legitimately, like, what is it about instead of just saying spare room, craft room, and it was functioning as storage. How is it different actually giving it the name storage? It wasn't functioning as
1: storage. That's uh, the key. It So wasn't now you're making it function that way. Yeah, it was just existing as a storage container that I didn't have to look at. It's behind two closed doors. When I decided I wanted to get into a quote unquote decluttering project, which to me meant also cleaning and yes. also you know also then the daily stuff was just in another pile so i couldn't do it all in 4 days the 4th day before i had to go back to work would include just me putting all that stuff back into the container of the room so the difference here is that in order for me to be calling it a storage room i it has to i have to be able to get into it and get things from it so it's a shift in that i'm seeing visual differences like I'm I can see I only have two tiny counters in my whole tiny kitchen they're very small and I can see them now I've not seen them the entire time that I've lived here when I went in there and just started grabbing things from the top layer and was like where would I look for this thing I noticed that I had probably five different bins including one whole baking pan like a glass casserole dish of like screws and shoelaces and random things that I had been collecting to be put away, quote unquote, away at some other later point in time. Well, not only did I not know where away was, but that would mean that I would have to look at all that stuff again later. And then that's the nasty trick that makes your brain think that you have to make decisions constantly. And also people who have been surrounded with stuff for most of their life or like Negative space, empty spaces is extremely uncomfortable. It is a layer of comfort that is there that, you know, whether there be trauma or not, whether it just be, you know, in my peripheral vision, there are things.
0: So you said, though, that you've got two counter spaces Mm -hmm. that have been clear. Has it taken Mm -hmm. you time to adjust to those spaces being clear? And have you gotten to the point where you appreciate them being clear? (laughs) When it's
1: completely empty, going from a state of piles and piles of things to completely empty is totally uncomfortable for me. It's uncomfortable, and my brain instantly wants to put things there. It, it's like, oh, I have all this new room now. Oh, I could put this plant there. I could put this picture there. No, that's not functional. That's not, you functional. are adjusting. I am adjusting. It's taking me less time. I see it now and I'm like, oh gosh, look at that. Oh gosh, look at that. Even though, you know, I only have two counters, even if it's just one at a time and the other one has, you know, percussed the clutter that I'm going to go do later. Mm-hmm. Um, the uncomfortableness that came up that I noticed in myself personally, though, when those two cl- counters were clear, I immediately, my first like overwhelming sense was to go back into my room container into my dresser container my under the bed storage and my closet container and re-declutter my clothes and I had to keep telling myself from your book that's not the project right now have you been able
0: to then now go to the visible space go to another visible space I
1: have um the dining the dining table I almost got rid of it on Saturday, which was wild to me. I was that like, okay, no, deal. I'm not gonna get rid of this very. Yeah, I even took the chairs outside and was like, I'm just gonna put these outside and somebody will take them. My kids said to me, we can keep clearing off the procrastinator clutter that's on the dining table. And then we can actually sit there and have food there. Smart which is, kid. I love it. I yeah. Know. Cause I'm like, Oh
0: wait, no, the purpose of this is for you right. to function. Right. It and, meets yeah. the intentions
1: of the room. Yeah. The room is a kitchen and a dining room there. I and so it. the table and the chairs meet that room's title. Like if they meet that room's purpose, yes. yes, they fit there when I don't put things around them and bury things on top of them. Yeah. Let's talk about what was your
0: number one? I know you've said, you know, what, what helped you go make progress without feeling like you were making difficult decisions, but what would you say was the biggest light bulb moment for you as you were reading decluttering at the speed of life that made you think, okay, maybe I could actually do this. Take it there now. Why? I had- Cause so many people resist that one. So I'm so curious what made
1: you. Right. Like I had already myself sort of been doing the dishes every day Mm -hmm. that has that actually like, so had I not been where I was already kind of along this journey, that would be the number one thing for me to recommend to everybody start doing your dishes every day. 100%. I don't have a dishwasher or anything like that. So I am the dishwasher. Mm -hmm. That part alone would take me a whole day of like, it's my end of the week dish doing day, but the take it there now. Really hit home with me now. The now, when I heard that, I remembered that oftentimes when people have tried to help me, they would pick up something and say, What do you want to do with this? It's not a concept that my brain can understand at that point when you're standing in my kitchen touching my stuff and moving things around. Most of the things I had an idea where I would put it or even where it would go. Most of my kitchen was procrastination stations. Yeah. I was able to stand there for 30 minutes to an hour and point to things to my mom or to my kid. I was able to point to them and say, well, that drill goes in the drill tote that's in the quote unquote spare bedroom, which now I refer to as a storage room. (laughs) Um, Or those shoes, they just need to be put away or that jacket just needs to be put with my. So in my brain, I was narrating this, that just needs to be put to where it has a place. By the time I was done explaining to even myself, I was done. My brain could not even then like, it was already overwhelming. And I had already used up all of my mental energy to where my physical energy, there were times that I even thought, you know, Jessica, if you just put things away, then your life would be so much easier. A lot of this stuff, you know, and you'd be surprised. I mean, I guess you wouldn't be surprised because it's a very big part in your book. You'd be surprised at how much trash there was packaging of things or mm-hmm. like, you know, half empty things of, I don't know, markers or whatever that's, that's just there. And it all becomes blended into the clutter. So like, when you look at that, there's nothing very obvious. So for me, at least it was not as o- smooth in the beginning and still, you know, it's a thing that I have to keep practice practice, 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 practice in tiny bits to see visible differences and then go, I can do I not only can I, I am. I am doing the thing. I'm doing the thing. And then my brain wants more.
0: I what I'm hearing you say is You would look at stuff and be like, oh, this should go there. And you use up all your mental energy and not have the energy to actually act on those things. Right. And so it just zapped all of your energy when the question was, where should this go? Do you want this? But then you would say to yourself, my life would be easier if I would just go ahead and put things away. But the problem in that, what would happen with me is that I'm like, I should be different than I am. I should right. put things away. And then I'm feeling frustrated with myself that I didn't put things away right. when I initially should have, instead of setting them on this surface, then comes and a then giving myself permission to say, okay, well, I'm going to put it away right now. Right. Like there's some weird thing of like, oh, I should have done that then, man, it wouldn't be like this. Meanwhile, i right. not making any progress, but if I'll go ahead and say for this focused amount of time, I'm just going to pick things up and go ahead and take it there now and then as you start seeing that visual progress it actually increased your decluttering energy as opposed to before when you hadn't actually made any progress but you'd used up all the energy mental energy decluttering energy that you even
1: have even physical energy like yeah. i i also you know suffer from i have i have a nerve issue in my and my spine but also my space is so small and it has all these doors in order for me to take a thing from my living room to take it to the spare room I couldn't get it there from the door that's in the living room because that was too full of stuff. So the path was not there for me to take it in there. I would have to go through the kitchen, through my bedroom, through the bathroom to take it to where I I knew that it belonged. So not the this was Easy before stuff. the would I. Yeah. Yeah, it already has Which, an
0: established home.
1: Yes. Right. Yeah, right, right. And so the fact that like with ADHD, it's almost impossible to walk through a place and not get distracted, but by keeping on a mission of that's not the mission right now, Jessica, it, your mission is not to go through this spot where you're putting this at, or to dust this even, or just to, you know, oh, now I've got a vacuum and do this giant, giant thing where my whole entire goal for that moment was to put the screwdriver back in the tool chest, like, and then that's it, that's it. and And that's success. That's success. Right. That's a win. I did that thing and then go back over to the point where I started and look at the next thing. And, and like, it took me a lot of that and it, yep. My body hurt. Yep. My brain hurt. There's a lot of finagling and moving sideways in my place because of how tight squeezed it is. So I'll, there was a lot of that, but that forced me to be kind to myself In a way of like, it doesn't all have to be done right now. And it's okay if I just do this one thing right now, do what you can while you can. And I stopped using up all of my mental and emotional energy of, you know, the pressure of. Oh, God, I've got to go here and there and do that. And then, if I'm going to do that, then that means I'm going to have to pull out this tote. And that means I'm going to have to look at this tote. I'm going to have to see what's in this tote. I'm going to have to do the whole tote of, like, you know, my deceased person's belongings and, like, Mm -hmm. or my childhood toys or whatever is in the way of things. To where my brain would just not. And then like, you know, then streaming services would just take over and, (laughs) or, or, you know, like kind of disassociating through, I don't know, some online game on my phone or whatever. And even if I only do five things, it's becoming easier for me to be like, oh, well this this also belongs there. Or I would also look for this there.
0: It sounds like you're making traction, like you're starting to develop some traction. How long was it before you started to feel that this is making a difference?
1: Really? So I had listened to your book at least twice, and was still trying to also again, overthink it all Mm -hmm. over like, you know, I was listening and being like, all right, I'm going to put this plan into place. And then my dad said he was going to come over <laughs> and hadn't been here in over a year. And I was like, okay, my only goal is to have a place in the living room where he could sit wherever he wanted to. And also if he gets an inkling to, or a hinkering to, Sit at the dining table. Those were the goals: is to have a space to eat lunch, if that was the thing, and a space in the living room. And then I took the tools from your book and I made those things happen for that day. And one day it was an exhausting day, but that with those two things, and then I saw, you know, clearness. I saw less things. I I took a bigger bag of trash out to the trash can. I it made me look at things your visibility rule of that, I put into full force that day. I was like, if my dad walks in here, he's going to come in this door and he's going to look at this. And then I put myself physically into that position and was like, this is the visibility to where my brain had not seen that Yes, from that angle. I'm used to moving around my stuff. I'm used to shifting around. I can Mm -hmm. tell somebody, you know, when my kid has had to house sit for me and calls and is like, where's the, I don't know, even the cat food, whatever, where's this? I would be like, you know, take two, ter- two left turns. Okay. Move one foot forward, just off of the top of my head. I'd have to visualize all these things. That's so exhausting mm-hmm. to have to carry all that around in your brain. Like, a <laughs> yes.
0: Map, oh my a goodness. What a good my point. St- yes.
1: I have to carry all that around in my brain and then be able to translate it to somebody else when I'm not there. That's crazy making. And then I'm exhausted. So we talked about your first, your thing that was the biggest light bulb was to
0: take it there now. Okay. Let me ask you this, because this is something, and I, I share my solution to this and maybe you know it from the book, but I would like to know your personal experience with it. Cause you, you've said it kind of several times. And that is I take something to where I would look for it first. And that space is its own mess. And my advice there is to remove something to make the space for this, even though you're not going to make it perfect. Can you tell me any of your personal experience with that? Does that work for you?
1: Yeah, it has. It has so far. Somebody gave me a serger, which apparently is the thing that I need to solve all of my sewing things when I want to do things. For sewing, the answer is get a serger. And I don't want to, somebody gave me a serger on, on the buy nothing group. The serger is here as a foster belonging, it's going to go to my friend, but I kept tripping over the surgery and it made me look over at this mosaic set that had been shifted around back and forth. I was like, okay, I'm not going to make mosaics. I'm not going to do that anytime soon at all whatsoever. I took that out and then the serger fit right there. It got the serger out of the middle of the floor and put it where something previously was it's made me kind of reevaluate the things that are already taking up space. And there's no end point. I was just even about to say at the end of this journey, if then Mm -hmm. I find myself with minimal amounts of things, there's no end. And I think that that's a really, that is a highlight that that you give to the world is that this is an ongoing thing. All of the other stuff that I've read, all the other things I've listened to all of the other stuff, it's like the end and live the life that you want to live well like part of executive functioning and decision making is also goal setting and if you set a goal to become a minimalist or if you set a goal to you know live a better life how do you reach that goal well that's too big of a thing my brain just can't even so then i just don't so with your process it's little steps and it at first it felt like okay Nothing, you know, there's so much, there's just so much that I'm going to have to do this with one at a time. Well, prior, none of the things were getting done because somewhere in the history of me, I had it to where if I do one thing, I'm going to have to do all the rest. Mm -hmm. Now, if I had a pair of shoes, just the permission that you give to just take it there now, before the next steps, it was okay for me to take the pair of shoes from the kitchen and put them at my closet at that time. And then go back to the kitchen because my closet at that time was not the project. The project was the visibility in my kitchen. The project was to, you know, just take things where I would look for them. Or my idea was take them where they go, but in taking them where I would look for them, it made me realize that a lot of the things that I thought had a place to go, didn't actually have a place to go. I would never look for them. I would just never look for a lot of the things.
0: I love it. I love it.
1: Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time.
0: because you've d- you've done a great job like like you thank you i mean you are really being so honest and i appreciate it because you are i like i think your words are going to give so many people hope what's the biggest realization or a few realizations that you've had about yourself and this process that has helped you change your relationship with your stuff in your home so
1: with the there is an end in sight theories it really hit me when when you address that in, in your book, it really hit me that this is going to be, this is just a life of decluttering. The way that you word it in there is not the way that I had been feeling of like the last time my mom visited and my kid also was here. I got to a point where it was like, I don't want this to be the thing that we do as a family. I don't want this to be the thing that we always do. It seems like whenever we're all together, it's the, you know, let's work on Jessica's house thing. And it's, it's not fun. Like I want to be able to go to the park with them. I want to be able to go to the beach. How
0: does, how does then the, how does it then help you to know that it's not going to be an end game? Like how, how does the, I want it to be different than now and the it's never going to end. How do those two things work together?
1: It's a really weird yin yang, black, white coexisting thing. It leaves it as this is going to be a forever. There's not a, the end. And then she lived happily ever after in this very clear space, the taking a choice of like, you know what? I am the only person I am accountable for this. I live here. I am responsible to clean up my mess, you know, declutter my stuff, me telling somebody else, oh, that just goes over there in my brain. I was asking them to put those things over there, but also they couldn't because I was the only one who knew how to navigate my stuff, my things and get so much done with physical limitations, with psychiatric stuff, with mental health issues. Mm -hmm. So like with the five minute if you can do something for one minute, even yeah. just one minute, then that's okay. I did that thing and I could give myself high fives, gold stars, all those things to build up that momentum that you need when you're told to just declutter your house, just do all the things. Get rid of twenty five items of clothes. You know, you know how that doesn't work. and that that's the same for people with with hoarding tendencies. There's not anything in our DNA that says, I'm also not a DNA specialist. There's not anything in our DNA that says you are going to develop hoarding disorder and here's how you fix it. And so that's the, you know, the tendencies that are there, stop bringing in stuff into my house, stop stuffing my containers, or like I super love about your book is I can have 8,000 of whatever if I want, if I can fit it in the container when I got to the container concept in your book, I had just received the four boxes of totes that I had ordered because they were like out of stock, out of stock, out of stock. So when I got to the container concept part that said, the answer is not to go out and buy a bunch of containers. I sat down, my jaw dropped as I looked at these four boxes of 40 new containers that I had just brought into my house. And I was like, okay, Jessica, Let's try not to use all those because the the thought that I had was I just need to shove all this loose things around my house into these containers. That's going to solve all my problems. Well, no, it doesn't. It didn't. It didn't at all. Mm -mm. Yeah. Now I can open all the files in my filing cabinet before I could not have to take 15 steps of things. Move this Tetris cube over here to the left and be careful. Don't let that one fall on you. It's like a a danger, a danger zone but I knew where things were. I just couldn't necessarily get to them. Well, right. is there anything else that you wish I would have asked you? If I can just say something, I guess, okay. to, like, just be kind to yourself. Cause the, you know, the guilt and the shame of the guilt that I feel that I couldn't have the spare room for somebody to come and stay in, that's all guilt. And it just compiles. It makes me feel hopeless. And then I stop and then it turns into like isolation and it, it gets, it gets pretty dark there. There are small steps, but they are mighty, mighty, mighty in your book. Like if I would have found this, my kid would not have had to shuffle around my stuff for their whole life. They don't live here now. And they did want to stay here. And they were like, why can't you just make room? For-? I was like, oh, like they need a place to stay. And I don't even have room for that to happen. And the guilt of that is it, it weighs heavy. And then you just end up like zoning out with the, just the little, little practices. Even if I have to pick up a piece of trash, even if I have a gum wrapper in my hand and I ask myself, where would I look for this first? Yeah. And the answer is, wait, what did you just ask yourself? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, It it makes the trash easier to see just these little tiny perspective changes. These little tiny shifts make a bigger impact that then you see, and then it's like, I want to find more trash.
0: So have you had anybody help you since you've started using these strategies? No, but I'm really excited to teach them how to help me. (laughs) Okay. Talk about that because that is an issue that a lot of people have. So what is your plan
1: for teaching people how to help you? So, everybody who's ever tried to help me in the past, including professionals, have absolutely not known how to help me. And obviously, I didn't know how to help myself. So, we're all just kind of standing around going, What do you want? What do you want us to do? And then they give their ways that work. And then they have like these whole sorting systems. Very hard to keep track of that. So, this simplicity. So, already I asked a friend, Could you please rent this book from the library and listen to? I think it's section three, chapter 18. That's the OCD part of my brain kicking in. <laughs> i Chapter-
0: decluttering <laughs> at the speed of light. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yes
1: which is um, helping others. And it's really meant for me to go and try to help implement these things to others. But I listened to that and I was like, God, if the people who have come to me over the years and have been like, how can I help you? What do you want me to do? They have asked all the wrong questions. Yeah. Why do you need this? What is Why is this more valuable than this to you and your heart of hearts and all that kind of stuff? That makes me feel all the feels and do all that stuff. And then question my own instincts, question yes. my own heart. And at the same time, my brain is also trying to make a plan, a plan of action. Like if somebody were to come over to my house right now, I would literally hand them this. I'm holding up right now, the printout of the five steps. Of Which you can get
0: growth. at a slash five. If you would like to, um, get the printable of the five steps. So you use that on a regular basis.
1: I do have it on. I I also have a little, a little handwritten one that I did myself. And I would just hand them that and tell them like, please don't steer off of these questions. And if you see me steering off of these questions, please redirect me. Like you, Dana are very kind when you give that, you know, if you're helping somebody else, just kindly redirect them. Okay, that's fine it's very non-judgmental any other question is judgy any other question feels judgy why do you want this well now i'm defensive yes. well get out of my house why you know or do you want this and then it just turns into this big back and forth of or like what would you use this for i don't know i have it in my hand what is this what is this thing i feel like i need it what am i going to do with it none of that matters
0: and and with that I'm curious your opinion on this. I think I know the answer, but I want to make sure that it's, that I'm thinking the right way. You have already implemented these things to the best of your ability in your home. You've already seen visible progress that then they would be able to see in your home that they would know is different from what it used to be, Mm -hmm. which then gives you confidence to say, this works for me, stick to this. Right, Where I think so many times when you just, like you've said, every time somebody would come over to your house, well, then it was, I need to help you. Well, they were just making it up as they went along.
1: right? And they, they were, were telling doing, me what things were. This is trash, Jessica, this shirt with holes instead in of letting you decide is trash. Right. Right. But Where when, I couldn't decide. I couldn't make. So
0: decisions. it turned into a power struggle right? and, and all of those things. So, so for you, you have this confidence because you have made visible progress because you have seen the impact of how this works. So that's what I, that's why I always hesitate. Cause I'm like, it's hard. I mean, it's one thing for you to go into somebody else's house who doesn't know anything and use all these progress and only progress strategies that are guaranteed to work like that works. But when you're having someone come in and help you, I know how it can feel so, um, judgy because judgy, because of all the other times when it was judgy and when it didn't help you and when it put you farther back than you were before. So right. there is so much value in the fact that you have already started to gain that traction, started to gain the momentum, started to build those muscles, build those skills so that you have confidence in. I have somebody- confidence in myself. Yes. Now, yes. So you know, these before- things work so you can be, you can be pretty like, bossy about it. As far as like, this is what I need. Keep me on track. This is how I stay on track. This is how I make progress.
1: Right. And I don't have to get in an emotional argument. And even when, even when it's just me and not other people, it's just me, the guilt and the shame are not building and building and building because guilt is heavy. It is. Why, why would I want to go over there and declutter something? That's going to make me feel bad about how I've been doing things this whole life. Like this is how this is how I am. This is how I've been living. No, but when I look at it and I'm like, oh, everybody says, all these professionals say, just get rid of this. Why do I have this? What am I going to use it for? Oh, and then I feel guilty for not using things and letting them, them go. Just the kindness and the non judgmentalness of these steps is life changing, literally. Like, love it. Thank, thank you for, for this. Thank you.
0: This has been a lot of fun. And i say fun but it's also like really kind of i mean i don't know it's meant a lot to me that to have your perspective because i think there are a lot of people who are going to relate to exactly what you've talked about and go ahead
1: yes sorry A, a thing too about people with um hoarding tendencies is that it's not always clear i don't i may have already even said this it's not always clear what is trash and what is not because that's gotten lost in the shuffle. So what's quote unquote obvious trash to other people for the person who's decluttering, they have to build that up. They have to build that up to even know what is obvious trash, especially people who come from like I can use that empty, you know, milk jug for change or for, mm-hmm. you know, I could cut the top off of it and use it to be a, a funnel. Whatever type of thing. So quote unquote obvious trash you have to work your way up there. It's and what's I, obvious to you. They right. get what's to decide. Obvious, so
0: if like, right. if I was helping somebody, it's what they consider trash. Go right. ahead. But if you need to move on to the next steps, if Do you it. need to ask yourself the two decluttering questions about stuff to, that, to the person helping is like, are you kidding me? This is so
1: clearly trash. Those right.
0: questions help it reveal it to you is what you're saying.
1: Right. Right. So oftentimes like seeing pictures of people with that are like, you know, this is a hoarder's house or whatever. People looking in from the outside are like, this is just junk. That's all junk. Well, calling my stuff junk, mm-hmm. that gets you out of my life real quick. You know, I, I created my own buy nothing group because there wasn't one in this area. And I was like, I want to make sure that my stuff goes to people who love it and that they're going to do a thing that I want them to do with it and honor this stuff. That I'm going to be the hero. Right. I'm going to be the hero. I gave away some sheer curtains. The person who wanted them then later told me, I'm going to repurpose these to make them um, be grocery bags, like um, vegetable bags, produce bags for in their fridge. And my first brain instinct was, ah, no, how dare you? You can't do that. These are curtains. And then the change of mentality in me was very clear at that moment as I hesitated handing her these curtains (laughs) because I was going to maybe bring them back into my home and wait for the right person who was going to hang them and use them as curtains. And then I I was able to release them because they're going to get used by this person for their creativity. I even was able to think, oh God, that's a great idea. I could do that with these. And then my brain stopped me and said, no, Jessica, you're not you are not about to take these curtains I mean, back with into your house with that serger. With the serger, <laughs> I'm sorry. That, that now exactly. I'm enabling. I'm sorry. 100. No, this is how my brain works. So yes, I know like, it. I guess I have it. a serger now. That would hold the scenes That would actually do that. But all of this happens in like a split second. That made my heart feel happy to give them away, yes. and then to know that what they were going to do with them felt the equivalent of them saying, "Thanks, great. I'm just going to throw these away." Mm-hmm. At the time. The amount of time that it took for my brain to go, they're going to get used, was shorter. Um, The guilt of not using these curtains for the past XXX amount of years was lifted. The joy that I felt in that they're going to get used for a great idea by this person who's actually going to put this use into action. Those were my grandma's curtains that she used. She would be happy that they're being used and not shoved in the bottom of a box. I mean, even in my life-changing or or not not so life-changing professional help system. uh, I think my dad had said something like, you know, your Nana would be rolling over in her grave if she saw how this place looked right now. That was just more guilt placed. Pile, 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 piles of stuff equal piles of guilt.
0: Okay. So what you just said was that guilt stops you in your tracks and keeps you from making progress. And also and makes yet, decisions, progress yeah, and keeps decisions. you from, yeah, it just makes the decisions that much more overwhelming, harder to make. And yet, I, I was wondering if, cause I know you had mentioned to me, you talked about as a psychotherapist, your understanding that there is a root thing, often it is trauma that has happened that Brings about or or blows up the the hoarding tendencies, right? Mm -hmm. So you may have a hoarding tendency and then the trauma. So you had trauma. You had moved into your recently passed away grandmother's house. That's traumatic. Okay. The other thing that you had shared with me is the realization that you missed out on a lot of your childhood and a lot of your things that you were holding on to represented childhood. Correct. Do you feel like you had to know and understand that trauma before you could make progress? Or do you feel like it's possible to make progress before you have explored and figured out your trauma? Does that make sense? Yep. It
1: makes sense. Perfect sense. Um, when, You can realize that things are traumatic in your life. I had been telling my story, my story of Jessica, my life. You know, I moved here when I was nine, blah, 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 blah. These are things that happened to me. These are things that didn't happen to me. But you can't just plop some trauma realizations into somebody's lap without their their brain sucking it all back in. Like, so any kind of realizations have to come kindly and non-judgmentally. When you feel like you're being judged for things, when I was told, oh, well, you're collecting 80s toys because you really didn't have a childhood because you had a baby as a child, then my brain was like, you're judging me. All that is judgment. And then my brain was like, no, I can't make any decisions now. I can't make any progress forward now. Thanks for making me realize the reason that doesn't help progress. Though that does not just knowing
0: the reason didn't help with the progress. So, do you feel like, from your experience and your professional knowledge, do you feel like the tools themselves, even before the realization, are valuable, or do you feel like you have to have the realization to be able to use the tools? Meaning, my tools, my steps.
1: Your steps are usable without any realization of trauma, without any decision-making really. Like yeah. the glory of your your tools is that you're not very bluntly directly telling somebody they need to make a decision. They're just doing it by having a donatable donate box and a black trash bag, which I'm gonna put this where I will look for it, where I would look for it First. should I ever mm-hmm. need to look for it. I'm gonna put it there now and then you ask the second questions. And it's, you know, even if it's a gum wrapper, where would I look for this? Okay. Well, well, maybe, maybe I would look for this gum wrapper, make some little origami, who knows, whatever. I know, believe me, I get it. (laughs) (laughs) But there's not a vast pressure to make fast decisions. And a lot of professional organizers and a lot of um, a lot of even like, you know, a lot of therapists are even like, you know, you've got to make decisions. You've got to make decisions. And what I've learned in my practice, my therapeutic practice, doing therapy with other people is that you've got to build, you've got to build and take tiny, tiny steps. So the pressure of making giant decisions, even if it's, do you want this pair of shoes or that pair of shoes, which one do you want? Make the choice that just makes people shut down. And when there's trauma involved, your brain shuts down for you. You don't think of it. It's not a choice. You don't yeah. have a choice to be like, "You know what? This is all too overwhelming. I'm just not going to think right now." If I if that was a decision I was able to make, then, you know, I I would choose a different decision. Your brain doesn't let you though. So with these steps, it, they're very small. They're very little and like the only real decision that I'm making to begin with, is where would I look for this first? And the decision that's there underlying in that one is, would I look for this period? Mm -hmm. Then it's like, oh, you know what? No, I I wouldn't look for this. And then I make the decision. Do I want to throw it away? Do I want to put it in the donate box? Not 80 other questions in between there. Not guilt of not using it. Not guilt for it being ruined. A, A thing with You know, hoarding is a lot of the things that are uncovered or ruined and no longer usable. And when you see things again, when with these quick makeovers Mm -hmm. and you see things again, it brings up all the feels, all the things of when you first acquired something or when you first got it or how you remember it, how I remember my grandma using these things. And it's the memory. And then. You've got all these feelings, all this pressure, all these like, you know, joyous emotions happening. And then you're being told to make a decision of whether or not you want to keep it or not. Well, I want to keep all those feelings and all those memories. And Now I've got this thing that just sparked all those things in me and my deep, dark corners of my hoardy brain. My brain's been hoarding all things, things too. Mm -hmm. I want those things. And then you just end up with, you know, all your stuff and no, and then it, it leaves a really bad taste in your mouth for, for getting help again asking for help. Um,
0: thanks for being willing. I mean, you have been through it personally, and then you have that amazing extra aspect of also professionally helping others, you know, in the area of psychotherapy. And so I just, I I just think that this has been really valuable and also thanks for bragging on my baby.
1: My book. Oh, I brag to everybody. I'm like that lady Dana says that lady Dana says we're so tired of hearing about Dana. Mm -hmm. Yep, yep. Like really what you're doing, and I don't even know if you realize this is a lot of the things that you're saying, these five steps, they're all CBT is cognitive behavioral therapy, is tiny, tiny steps. So, like you're doing therapy, but but you don't even know it. That like these tiny little wins, tiny little wins to give and I know CBT, I, I do CBT with people. And it still didn't occur to me until it was put to me in a way that you put it of like, this is this is how to apply these things in my for real life, in my daily life. And, you know, if nothing else, I do the dishes. And sometimes that's even too much for me. Sometimes that's even too overwhelming
0: again tomorrow.
1: And then I just do them again tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. And then I give myself a high five, a good job. I give myself my, my friend, she's my like accountability person, but not in a naggy way. I'm like, I did the dishes today. And she's like, yeah, you, you did the dishes. Just celebrate my wins. Don't remind me of what I'm doing. (laughs) Right. Right. Whereas lots of other people are like, yeah, but did you, yeah, you did the dishes. So what, but, but what about that? spare room nightmare. What about that? Well,
0: and and what you're saying there is those are the things I'm asking myself anyway. Those are, that's the problem is for so many years, it was like, Oh, I did this, but there's so much left to do. So I really can't even celebrate that. No, it's like, let's go ahead and celebrate that. And let's, let's make that progress. Well, I appreciate you so much.
1: Um, anything else that you thought of that you'd like to say? Just that with your method, you can stop at any time. I really, it really hit home when you said something along the lines of, when I get interrupted or when I have to stop, not if I get interrupted, it will happen at one point or another, either my brain will just go Burr, done, or somebody will come in some, you know, my kid will run around and ask for something. I will have to answer the phone when, and like that hits so hard for ADHD. Like you still get the win of doing whatever it was, the little yes. thing. So that to me, I'm like, Yes. Yes. And it
0: takes you farther. It takes you way farther it takes, than feeling like a failure.
1: I did yeah. more in my kitchen in one day with your book on repeat it in one day to clear the counters and clear the table. than I have actively quote unquote, working on my house for the past five years in this house, in this house. Wow.
0: I am not inventing something here. It's literally just explaining what a lot of people don't even know needs to be explained. And so then those of us who don't see it that way are left, like, what are y'all talking about? Like how, why, why doesn't this work? Everything you say doesn't actually work because the things haven't been explained that needed to be explained to me because other people don't even know they need to be explained. I don't
1: know. No, no. Right. For this, for these kind of things, these never even occurred to people like me, these things would never because things just skip 8,000 steps to like the end. And now your home is immaculate. Yay. Right. Right. And, and none of the in-between and a lot of people I can see, they don't need to be taught these things, but uh, what I'm finding in my therapeutic studies and my, you know, all that kind of stuff is people from probably age like 15 to like 55, they missed out on learning executive functioning skills somewhere along the way. Nobody ever taught them how to make a decision or to set a goal and do things to make that goal. It's bizarre. Yeah. This works though. This works. I love it. Well, thank you so
0: much. And, um, I think this has been great. I think it's going to help a lot of people. Yeah.
1: Thank you. I think a lot of people are being helped with your stuff for real. I'm like, why doesn't everybody, why, why doesn't Dana have like a 200 million followers right now. Right, I don't don't understand.
0: (laughs) I hope y'all loved that. I hope you were inspired by it and that it encouraged you to just go through the process. Just work through the process. No need to judge yourself. Just start working through the process and those little wins are going to have so much power. All right. I will talk to you next week. Bye.